I'll make a bold prediction. How does this sound? There is not a conference with more upside at the quarterback position than the Big Ten. I said it. I know it's a bold take. I know you're looking at the Big Ten roster of quarterbacks and you're thinking, how does he come up with that? Well, stick around just for a little bit. You might understand where I'm coming from. A lot of guys that wouldn't necessarily crack the top five today in June might ultimately play their way into the top five, three, maybe even the top overall spot in the Big Ten. But that's not the only conference that we're going to look at today. We're also going to do a deep dive into the Big 12, looking at their quarterback situations, ranking the best quarterback situations, and giving you some upside candidates to take into account as well. Welcome to Always College Football. Today is June 2nd here, the year of our Lord, 2023, and we really appreciate you taking some time out to be with us. doesn't matter where you're getting the show, whether that's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It would really help us out an awful lot. We haven't asked for this a lot, but if you could... If you're on Spotify, if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're on one of the podcast sites, do us a favor, give us a review, give us a rating. That would be really, really beneficial and really, really helpful as we kind of put the bow here at the end of year number one on Always College Football. We've had a great time talking college football with you, and we appreciate all the many times you've come to us to have a little chat, especially here in June, about the sport that we love so much. Mark Kubiak, Jack Foster, Jake Garcia. I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you guys are having a terrific day, but it's time to talk some quarterbacks. We also have some great mailbag questions related to NIL and how it could be adjusted in the near future to level the playing field. But quarterbacks is the topic of the day. Let's start with the Big Ten. Great quarterback league this year. Probably a lot better than you realize. I'll explain next. Ranking quarterbacks, surely at least a topic that everybody can get behind. There clearly is a consensus, one through 133, as to who the best quarterbacks are, right? Everybody can agree on this. It's funny, actually. Quarterback's the one position where some fan bases will actually sit there and tell you, yeah, we don't love our guy right now, which I think is a little bit absurd. But then again, we do live in a fanatic world when it comes to college football. But let's take a peek at the Big Ten, because I want to rank these quarterbacks based on their conference. I want to look just the conference as a whole. Is it healthy? Is it not healthy? Are the quarterbacks in a really good spot? Or are they in a spot where they might not necessarily be able to give their team the best chance to be successful? Let's do it with the Big Ten, right? Let's start at the top. feels very clear as to who the best quarterback in the Big Ten is, at least to me it is, considering the fact that he beat out another guy that's in my top five, says all you need to know. J.J. McCarthy at Michigan is the top returning signal caller there in the Big Ten. Finished his sophomore season, first full year as a starting quarterback, where I know, okay, I get it. He wasn't a full starting quarterback. He didn't start week one. All right, I understand. But first full year in my eyes, As a starting quarterback, completed nearly 65%, did a really good job, I thought, managing the offense from time to time, but did showcase flashes of superstar potential. Now, it wasn't always there. It wasn't always crazy consistent, but you add in the dual threat nature that he can keep the defense honest a little bit too, it makes him the bell of the ball there in the Big Ten. 
he's number one. At number two, a little bit more difficult for me because this guy is high risk. He's also high reward. There have been moments where Talia Tungavaloa has been lights out, but there have also been moments where he hasn't played very sound football. He's a little loose with the football from time to time, not the best ball security. I know we look back and we all think back two years ago to the interceptions that he threw. I believe it was against Penn State. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about ball security in the pocket. He plays with one arm on the ball, and as a result, that ball can get swapped out pretty easily. So I would like for him to be a little bit tighter with his ball security, but he gives Maryland a real chance to pull upsets. Almost did so against Ohio State in the second to last week of the regular season last year. So there's a lot to like about what he's done over the course of his career. The one thing that I want to see from him, though, is tightening up that ball security he's in at number two in the Big Ten right now. At number three, maybe a little bit of a wild card here, but I'm going to go based on history. What the guy has done over the course of his career, having started 20-plus games at SMU, I believe it's going to translate to Wisconsin. People will point to the spring game. You said, Greg, well, you just talked about ball security with Talia. And I understand that Tanner Mordecai threw a bunch of picks in the spring game. I also understand that Phil Longo's offense is an offense that requires an awful lot of reps to get really, really comfortable. And Tanner Mordecai, well, having played in an offense that's somewhat similar, it's not exactly an apples-to-apples comparison. They will still probably lean on the run game. They still feel pretty good about their wide receivers, at least at this point. But ultimately, this is an offense that requires quarterback and wide receiver to be on the same page without signaling a specific route. You got to feel space. You got to feel zones. You got to feel separation. You got to understand when a guy's going to break things out or when he's going to sit it down or when he's going to go vertical. All those things are incorporated into this offense. So it's an expensive offense to learn, but once you learn it, you're going to become lights out. I'm a believer in Tanner Mordecai. I've seen what he did when he was at SMU. The guy threw for 7,000 yards and 72 touchdowns. All right, that's a pretty good two-year stint as the starting quarterback. Remember, he went toe-to-toe with Spencer Rattler a couple years ago when he was at Oklahoma in the quarterback competition there as well. So Tanner Mordecai, a guy with a lot of potential, throws a really pretty ball and a really good ball down the field as well. I think he is primed to have a big-time year for Wisconsin. He's in at number three. When was the last time, by the way, Wisconsin had a top three quarterback in the Big Ten? Feels like it's been a little while. At number four, I'm going with Cade McNamara at Iowa. This is a bird-in-the-hand type of pick for me. Some people don't necessarily love the upside. I personally love that he's going to be pushed into an offense that is about ball control, but he has, at times, put the team on his back. But he needs a good, solid run game. He needs a good supporting cast. Both those things are a little bit up in the air with Iowa based on what they did last year. However... I do think he's probably the best Iowa quarterback that's suited up in quite a while. It's It's been a minute since they've had a guy that has played this much football and high-level football. He's not going to be a guy that can take over the game. He's going to be a guy that gets you from point A to point B without any speed bumps along the way. He's a steady, solid game manager with underrated mobility. And I think in that offense, he can be the probably the best version of Iowa's offense, if that's saying something, I think he can kind of accelerate that offense in a certain way. So I'm a big believer in Caden McNamara. He didn't lose the job to J.J. McCarthy because he played poorly. He got beat out by a guy that just has a higher ceiling. And understandably, that guy was a little younger too. So Caden McNamara was the odd man out. He gets a fresh start at Iowa where I think he'll have a really nice season. 
And then at number five, another wild card here, but you're going to understand why I'm taking some risks in my top five quarterback predictions. I'm going to go with Jeff Sims right now. Now, remember, this is post-spring. Jeff Sims, though, at Nebraska, by all accounts, had a phenomenally good spring to the point in which the incumbent starter, Casey Thompson, decided to actually leave the program. Remember, Casey Thompson started 10 games last year and ultimately didn't have a bad year. (laughs) Didn't have a bad year whatsoever. So if Casey Thompson realized, hey, man, I I can't beat out Jeff Sims. I need to go elsewhere. What does that tell you about Jeff Sims? And also, in watching Georgia Tech, there were moments last year where just didn't look like Georgia Tech's offense, especially in the first six, seven games, didn't look like they were all on the same page. And the protection was really bad and didn't feel like there was a lot of great weapons on the perimeter. I'm not saying Nebraska has, you know, the Ohio State wide receivers. They don't. But Jeff Sims showcased enough potential at Georgia Tech to make me feel like Nebraska can ride him in year number one under Mad Rule. So very bullish on Jeff Sims. think what we saw in the spring game might be just a glimpse of the breakthrough that could ultimately happen in the fall. Here's the other thing I like about the Big Ten. I just gave you my top five quarterbacks right now, today. Early June, those are the top five quarterbacks to me in the Big Ten. But think about the upside that this league has. Can you ever envision a scenario if when we fast forward to December, where a, I don't know, quarterback from Ohio State isn't a top five quarterback, But right now, I can't even tell you who that guy's going to be. Do I think it's going to be Kyle McCord? Yeah, I do, but I don't know that with any legitimate certainty. I have a hunch just like all of you. I feel pretty good about him stepping into the situation. I love his supporting cast. I love the offense. And I think back to what, 2010 might have been the last time Ohio State had a liability at quarterback. And that was Terrell Pryor, who was maybe the best athlete on the field. Yeah, there were a couple years, 11, 12. Maybe the quarterback play wasn't quite as good. But either way, most of the time, Ohio State has had a guy at quarterback from Braxton Miller to JT Barrett to Cardale Jones for a moment, back to JT Barrett. You think about the competition that was had there in 2017 between, or in 2018, excuse me, between Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow. Dwayne Haskins went on to become a first-round pick. Joe Burrow transfers to LSU because he loses the job. He becomes the first overall pick. Then you have Justin Fields step right in. And then you have C.J. Stroud the last couple of years. When was the last time quarterback was an issue for Ohio State? It won't be this year either. I just can't right now, in good faith, put Kyle McCord in the top five because he has not established himself as the starter. But other guys I'm really optimistic about. Noah Kim at Michigan State. Peyton Thorne was not a bad player. Had a tough 2022 But 2021 was really good, very efficient with a solid run game. Well, he left partly because of NIL, but also partly because Noah Kim was pushing him in spring. He might be a real guy. You also got Hudson Card, who at Purdue under Graham Harrell, uh, that air raid offense, really good fit for what Hudson Card's going to be. I think that could be a match made in heaven. Think too, Luke Altmaier at Illinois, run heavy, Style of attack. Luke Altmaier, while at Ole Miss, you talk to people at Ole Miss, they really like Luke Altmaier. They think he's got a lot of talent. Maybe in his first year as a starter with a run-heavy offense, he'll be in a good spot to complement that offense early on in his career. Drew Aller at Penn State. 
Everyone talks about how God-given his arm is. Is it ultimately going to be good enough to overcome what might be a little bit of a lack of mobility? We'll find out, but clearly there's been a lot of buzz about him around Happy Valley for quite some time. Ethan Kaliakmanis there at Minnesota showed flashes last year at times. Now, not exactly a dynamic passing attack, but maybe he can be the first guy for Minnesota that can kind of carry them along. Now, Tanner Morgan was a good player, but Ethan Kaliakmanis ultimately became the guy down the stretch, in part because Tanner Morgan got a little banged up, but also in part because Kaliakmanis has a higher ceiling, and down the road, he might be a legitimate game changer. Maybe that happens here in 2023. I'll make a bold prediction. How does this sound? There is not a conference with more upside at the quarterback position than the Big Ten. I just listed off six or seven guys that might be vying for all conference selections. Okay, yes, there may be some question marks at Rutgers. Maybe Ben Bryant isn't the answer at Northwestern. Maybe there's a couple guys. I don't know how it all works out. I don't know if Indiana is going to necessarily have a guy that's a difference maker. I know the transfer from Tennessee has got some talent, but to be determined as to whether or not he'll be the guy. Either way, the upside collectively based on what we know now to what they might ultimately be at the end of the regular season, nobody has a higher upside than the Big Ten. McCord could be a dude. Aller could be a dude. Kaliak Manis could be a dude. Jeff Sims could be a dude. All these things could be true. We'll find out. But either way, it's a really solid group of Big Ten quarterbacks across the board. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. From the Big Ten to the Big 12, we'll keep the bigs together today and evaluate a league that has long been known as quarterback league, man, quarterback central. Think about all the great players that have suited up at quarterback in the Big 12 in the last 15, 20 years. It's been off the charts good. It really has. And so much of your success in that league has been predicated off of quarterback play. I'm not sure there's been a league in college football that has been more dependent on great quarterback play than the Big 12 over the course of the last two decades. Either way, it's a good group this year, but there are some legitimate question marks. There's also, not unlike the Big 10, a bunch of upside candidates that we need to keep in account. Let's start at number one. 
Dylan Gabriel's number one at Oklahoma. Guy's had almost 12,000 career passing yards, okay? He's had so much, so much success at both UCF and at Oklahoma that we almost lose sight of just how good this guy has been. Remember, there's only 30 quarterbacks ever that have eclipsed the 12,000-yard plateau, and Gabriel could very well do it by week three. Assuming he continues to play as well as he did in the spring and assuming he continues to get as comfortable as humanly possible with Jeff Levy's system. Now, there are similarities to what he did at UCF under Josh Heupel to what he's going to be doing with Jeff Levy. Obviously, he ran that system before. That's part of the reason why he was the guy that Jeff Levy went after when trying to figure out what quarterback they were going to get. Of course, when... Caleb Williams decided to go to USC. They knew they had to have a guy. Dylan Gabriel was the first man up at that time. Remember, he was committed to UCLA, finds a home at, at Oklahoma, gets a little banged up last year, a little bit banged up. But think about how different that Oklahoma team looked when he was on the sideline compared to when he was on the field. A completely different animal. And that's no disrespect to Davis Bevel, who filled in for Dylan Gabriel, but that offense had zero juice when he was on the field when compared to to the guy that I think is the best quarterback in the league coming in to the 2023 season. Let's go to quarterback number two. Maybe a little bit of a surprise for many, but those that paid close attention realized that Jalen Daniels at Kansas was a one-man wrecking crew. And you look at another guy, got sidelined, got banged up against TCU on October 8th, but look at the first month of the season. Look at how good he was and how dynamic he was. Now, is he ultimately going to make a push for the Heisman Trophy? I think D Dylan Gabriel's got a much better chance. But still, Jalen Daniels, if he can pick up where he left off, remember he returned late, had an unbelievable finish to the season against Arkansas. They ultimately came up short in that game. But my goodness, I mean, the fourth quarter, name a better fourth quarter performance by a quarterback in any bowl game this past season. Probably wasn't one. Jalen Daniels is in at number two, and he is a big reason why I'm kind of bullish on the Jayhawks this year, making some noise and being very dangerous there in the Big 12. They're not going to win the league, but they're going to be a dangerous team to contend with there in the Big 12. At number three, I'm going to go Quinn Ewers. And this is a dangerous one. I will admit, this is a dangerous one. If we're going based strictly on quarterback's physical potential, Quinn Ewers would be number one. He might be at number one in the entire country. He's definitely top 10, top five in the country just based on sheer potential. The problem is, is it was up and down last year. Look at the first six quarters, phenomenal. Early against Alabama, really, really good. Against Oklahoma, really, really good. Against Oklahoma State, really, really bad. Against Washington, really, really bad. Against TCU, bad. You look at all those certain different ups and downs, it's difficult at this point to feel great about Quinn Ewers being consistent. I need consistent productivity from the quarterback position, and I don't know if he's the guy that's going to give it to me. But if he could recreate the magic that he had against Oklahoma on a weekly basis, the guy will be unstoppable. He's got an unbelievable supporting cast, maybe as good a weapons as there is in the entire country. Ohio State's got the best weapons, so put them in the class of their own. But tell you what, LSU and Texas are right there at two and three as far as weapons on the perimeter. 
Quinn Ewers, if he can regain his confidence and play consistent football and not let one mistake become two, he'll be in a great spot to have a tremendous year. Everybody, based on what he did in the spring, is feeling great about the progress that's been made. He's more focused. He's more physically prepared. He's more mentally prepared to become a leader at this level of football. Now it's just about going out there and doing it. He's in at number three. I'm banking on upside when looking at Quinn Ewers, a guy that won't necessarily wow you with upside, but we want to talk about consistent. You want to talk about efficient. You want to talk about a guy that understands his place in the pecking order within his offense, doesn't try to do too much, never tries to do too little. It's Will Howard at Kansas State. I love this kid. I think he's so underappreciated nationally, very efficient, accurate thrower. The one thing about him is that if a play breaks down up front, will he be able to create like some of the other guys we've talked about in the show? Probably not. He's got to stay within the system a little bit, but that's okay. You can win that way by getting the ball out quickly, understanding where your protection weaknesses are, and trusting your wide receivers and run game to make plays for you. I think he's a really, really solid quarterback and a guy that if you want that predictability, he might be the safest pick in the Big 12. Moving on to number five, Tyler Shuck from Texas Tech. This one might have surprised you. that you might have thought I'd go in a little bit of a different direction. I'll explain why Tyler Shuck in just a moment. I know he hasn't necessarily won the job just yet, but I'm banking on him being the guy when they take the field in week one. Baron Morton's a young, promising player. I think in time, in Zach Kitley's offense, He's got a chance to be dynamic. I think he's got a chance to be the guy down the road. But at this point, I'm going to go with the veteran, thinking that Texas Tech's going to be in a spot this year to be at least a preseason top 25 team, maybe even the preseason top 20 team, based on all the returnees and some of the momentum that's been created within the program. Tyler Shuck, though, I remember calling an Oregon game a few years back. Just calling a game, watching Justin Herbert. And Mario Cristobal, who was the head coach of Oregon at the time, he goes, hey, yeah, Everyone knows Herbert's a dude, but watch the backup. He could throw it too. And I'm sitting there watching Tyler Shuck throw the football, man. It's pretty. If he can stay healthy, which has been a real challenge for him, he finished on a really high note, but he's got to stay on the field. If he can stay healthy, 2023 could be a special one based on how he finished. Of course, played great against Oklahoma, played great against Ole Miss. That was in the bowl game. If he can carry over some of that momentum into this year, he might be in a really solid position. A couple of guys I'm also very bullish on. Didn't quite crack the top five, but I'm very bullish on him. John Rice Plumley at UCF. How will it translate? He's played big level football before. He can do it again. He's just a little one-dimensional. He's a tremendous athlete, a little bit inconsistent as a thrower. He is a work in progress and has gotten better in that regard, but if he can round out his running ability with his passing ability and just keeping the defense honest, he could become a more well-rounded player, could easily find his way into the top five as the season progresses. And then two other guys that I'm remarkably, remarkably bullish on. Keaton Slovis, if you fast forward, if you rewind back to his early days at USC, the guy, even as a true freshman that was thrust into the starting lineup because of an injury to JT Daniels, he wowed you with his poise, with his decision-making, and his ability to throw guys open. Went to Pitt, didn't work out the way he anticipated. He's now back at BYU. And I think this is an offense that is going to lean on running the football. They're not going to get away from that. But he's still going to make plays off of play action. And the guy that goes back to the defense, Keaton Slovis, is great with his feet. 
He has good feel in the pocket. And if he could regain some of that confidence he played with when a young player, when he had nothing to lose, I think he could be a guy that could fly up the draft boards here this season and ultimately give BYU a great chance to be successful in their first year in the Big 12. And then perhaps the biggest wild card on the board here in the Big 12 is Chandler Morris. Now, don't take my word for it. Take Sonny Dykes' word for it. Sonny Dykes last year had a quarterback on the roster that finished second in the Heisman Trophy and second in the fall quarterback competition. That was Max Duggan, same player. The reason why he finished second in the fall quarterback competition is because according to Sonny Dykes, Chandler Morris beat him out and it, quote, wasn't close. That's not my observation. That's Sonny Dykes' observation. Now, he steps in as the starting quarterback. He's been dynamic in the past. Just look at the game two years ago that he had against Baylor. Look at that game. Look at the numbers. Look at how he played. Just take a peek at it, 10, 15 minutes. Watch the plays that are being made by the TCU quarterback that day. I'm telling you, Chandler Morris has a lot of potential. Coach's kid has great understanding of what it's like to play the game. Just needs to stay healthy. He's been banged up at times in his career. He's not the biggest guy in the world, and he doesn't need to expose himself to unnecessary contact. So a guy with major upside in the Big 12 that I'm keeping a close eye on is Chandler Morris at TCU. Is there too much pressure on Chandler Morris to try to repeat what Max Duggan did? No, because you're your own guy. I mean, it's not like everyone views TCU's run last year as magical, right? Like it won't be recreated. So how many people are saying, yeah, TCU is a top five team coming into the season? Not not many. Oh, Chandler Morris, he's got to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. There's not a lot of pressure on him. Maybe internally there's pressure because he obviously wants to, he got Wally pipped last year and he's going to want to go out there and be like, man, that should have been me. That could have been me if I don't get banged up against Colorado in the first week of the season. Maybe those are the conversations that happen, but I don't think there's a lot of pressure externally. I think internally, for sure, they want to repeat. They want to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. But externally, TCU is still flying under the radar, which is shocking given the success of 2022. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. 
Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We always appreciate all the questions that you've submitted over the last several months. We are getting to them. The mailbag is absolutely packed full of great questions from our listeners and viewers. Man, you guys have been phenomenal for the last year. We have, I think, I'd put our viewership up against anybody as far as the intelligence of our viewers and listeners. So we continue to appreciate all the many questions that you're sending in. Always collegefootball at gmail.com. Continue to send those in, and we will get to your question as soon as humanly possible. You can always submit them on social media as well. Always CFB on both Instagram and on Twitter. Kuz, where are we going today, buddy? All right. First one comes from Brad in Alabama. Asks, does the NCAA have any control over college football anymore? If not, who should be in charge? And should should it be one governing body over just the Power 5 programs? The NCAA has control, but not really. Let's be real. The NCAA can't do anything right now for fear of getting sued. I mean, if they try to implement regulations to the portal, if they try to implement regulations to NIL and try to level the playing field, the NCAA, what their whole job was, their whole mission was to create a balance and level playing field for competition. Well, that's not going to happen anymore because you can basically freely go out, pay whatever you want to make sure that your roster is as stacked as humanly possible. So there is no level playing field anymore. (laughs) It's completely in utter chaos. So the NCAA means absolutely nothing because the Power Five and the conference commissioners all run themselves to begin with. Now, ultimately, do I think it'd be beneficial for there to be a czar in college football that oversaw oversaw the entire sport? Absolutely. I'll put my hat in the ring for that any day of the week. I'd love for an opportunity to lead that charge. But let's be real, man. Right now, every conference is doing what's in the best interest of their own conference. What's going on in the Big Ten, Tony Petiti is only caring about the 14 member institutions and the two that are going to be joining here in 2024 in USC and UCLA. Same thing with Greg Sankey in the SEC. You think he cares about what's going on in the ACC, Big 12, Pac-12? Sure, they're keeping tabs on everything that's going on everywhere else. You have to. You can't live under a rock. But at the same time, he's got to do what's best to make sure that those 14 slash 16 schools are best in position to be competitive. So when they go to the table, they're going to the table with their own interests in mind. What we would have if there was one singular body over all of college football is we would make decisions on behalf of the greater good. So, hey man, the portal's a mess. Let's fix it. Hey man, the college football playoff, I don't love the way it's structured. Hey, man, right now the calendar doesn't make a lot of sense. Let's move things up a little bit so we're not jamming things in at the end of December around finals and interfering with the academic calendar. Hey, man, I really don't like year-round official visits. The players need a break. The coaches need a break. And to a certain extent, the budgets for all these recruiting departments need a break as well. Flying guys in on official visits is not cheap. So I think that there's a lot of things that would love to see tailored, but it's not going to happen because it benefits one over the other. And people are not going to make decisions and force change if 
it might impact their places or their schools negatively. So yeah, I'd love to see one governing body, but I just don't see it happening anytime soon. All right. Bonus question from me. You're the czar of college football. What is the first thing you're going to change? Number one thing I would change in college football? Yep. Oh man. Um, I would probably move to having no FCS games. That would be number one. I would actually take the FCS and I would play it in the spring. Um, I personally believe that that is long-term what's best for the FCS. I would also establish a group of five playoff because right now the group of five, yes, there is representation in a new 12 team expanded format, but you get one team out of 68 that'll make it. I would like to see a group of five playoff. And I know that that would be conceding defeat. No, we're, we're no longer equal, but things haven't been equal in a really long time. The group of five has never gotten equal representation. So let's just acknowledge it for what it is. Let's start a group of five playoff and that the group of five can crown a champion as well. And they get to hang a banner as a quote national champion. So that's what I would do. Those probably be the first two things I would do. Move the FCS to the spring, move the group of five into basically their own division and allow them to compete for their own championship. So they're going to go toe-to-toe with you know, some of the best teams in college football, sure, in the regular season. But ultimately, uh, I don't think long-term, that's a sustainable model. I love it. You come in and just go wrecking ball to everything. I'm a big fan of that. All right, <laughs> moving on. Steve in New Mexico. It came out that if Congress does not pass a federal NIL bill, that the SEC would take matters into its own hands by aligning its state laws so the conference can oversee and police NIL. Is this only delaying employment of football players? Well, it just depends on what you want. There's two, there's two trains of thought when it comes to employment. One, if you start to employ football players, what happens to all the other sports? So a lot of people are against it just because of that reason. If you're taking more money from the athletic department, there won't be enough to fund other sports. So as a result, you'll see a lot of doors shut. And all those sports that were at one point underneath the athletic department window, they would go and become club sports. And that's not, in in my opinion, a good long-term solution. I think employment, though, could level the playing field. If the ultimate goal is creating parity and you have employment and then essentially collective bargaining and there's transparency about what guys are making, then it would probably be a whole lot more difficult to tamper. It'd probably be a whole lot more difficult to go out and just pay players and and handle things like this. And it would at least be a little bit more regulated if the players were employees. So part of me aligns with, hey, just make them employees. Let's cut to the chase. But at the same time, man, I don't want to see all the different sports that are benefited from football I don't want to see them go away and I don't want to see opportunities lost for kids that are playing under scholarship right now and having those scholarships taken away because that sport is no longer supported by the athletic department. So I don't necessarily love the idea of getting into the employee world. I'd rather just keep it in the NIL, keep it the wild, wild west. But then again, it doesn't necessarily create a level playing field. So Here's the problem also with aligning all the state laws. You really think those 13, 12 governors are going to be up for that? I mean, is, is if Missouri's governor, they have one school in their state, if the Missouri's governor can benefit Missouri by creating, I guess, favorable NIL laws, guess what? The likelihood of 
the politicians in Missouri getting reelected improves and they only give their football team an opportunity to be more successful and maybe generate a little bit more buzz because they can, I guess, create more opportunity with NIL associated with the University of Missouri. So I I don't see it happening. I think it'd make a lot of sense if you want to create a level playing field, but I don't get the sense that anyone's really in favor of that. And I think state to state, those states, like all conferences, are basically worried about their own best interests. They're not so worried about what's going on in Tennessee if you're Alabama or in Mississippi if you're in Louisiana or Texas if you're in Florida. So I don't see it happening, but I think that would be one step towards putting some guardrails on a system that is a little chaotic right now. Appreciate you guys being with us so much. It's been a terrific show today. Terrific mailbag questions, thoughtful mailbag questions that get my wheels spinning and get me excited about potential changes down the road that could potentially be made to NIL and to college football structure as we know it. Please, like I've told you in the past, continue to like, rate, and subscribe. If you're on YouTube, go down, hit that thumbs up. If you're on a podcast service, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, it would be really helpful if you could go up there and rate. Give us five stars. Four stars is fine. I'd prefer five though on Spotify and YouTube. It'd be really, really beneficial. If it's one star, that's fine. You got to do what you got to do, but I'd really appreciate it. We all would. We can benefit a lot from it. We can continue to grow exponentially like we have over the last 12 months. We would really appreciate it. If you could take a couple minutes to do that today, it'd be really, really great. For all of us here at Always College Football, we look forward to continuing to provide content throughout June. And we'll be here, of course, in July, all the way up to media days when that is the unofficial start of the 2023 season. A lot of stuff that we still got to figure out. We got to rank other position groups. We got to rank other coaches. We got to rank conferences. We got to rank schedules. We have so much that we need to get to between now and the unofficial start of the season there in the middle part of July. So keep it locked in here with us on YouTube or on one of your podcast pages. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark, for Jake, for Jack, I'm Greg. We hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.